0: Hi, I'm Greta. Hi, I'm Millie. And you're listening to The Books We Meet in the Library. A bookish podcast about reading and the book community. Millie, what are you currently reading? So I am
1: currently reading two adult fantasy books books. Uh, the okay. first one is Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yarros, and the second okay. one is The Empire of Gold by S.A. Chakraborty. Uh, these are both adult fantasies, military, political fantasies, and I am absolutely loving one of them and absolutely hating the other one, and I'll leave it up to you guys to figure out which one is which.
0: <laughs> so good. I like how you're leaving us in suspense.
1: I mean, these are two very, very popular fantasy novels. So like some people could be wrong, but we'll see. We'll see how people guess. Leave it in the comments of this podcast. So
0: Greta, what are you currently reading? (laughs) Thank you for asking. I actually am not reading anything at the moment. I am in the search for a book. But I just finished The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, aka the author that introduced me to smut. And let me tell you, I buddy read this with a friend, and I was actually kicking and screaming and like giggling. Like I don't know what Allie Hazelwood did, but she managed to make me have a crush on a blonde man. Oh, that is not your type at all. It was so, it was honestly amazing. And like my friend who read this, she likes one man and that's her husband and every woman ever. And the fact that she was also kicking and screaming and like twirling her hair with this guy, with this love interest says a lot, says a lot my goodness. I mean, I know that a lot of people have been enjoying
1: her latest book, so yes. it does not surprise me that you like it. So many people have really, really enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, I liked it. It's definitely my favorite of the her like three full novels. But today we're talking about The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston. Um, reminder, this is going to be a full spoiler cover to cover review. And we're starting off the same way we always do with a copile rating system. Ooh.
1: Alright guys, so if you don't know, the Call Pal rating system was created by G from the channel Book Roast. And it's just a way for us to determine how we really feel about a book after we're done. Um, so it's broken down to character, atmosphere, world building, plot, intrigue, logic, and enjoyment. Starting it off with Characters. Greta, what did you rate for characters?
0: I gave the characters a nine because I'm actually in love with Ewan. I am going to be the first one to say it.
1: Um, so I actually also gave it a nine.
0: <gasps> Wait, really? Yeah. That was so loud and squeaky. Oh my God, I'm so sorry to the, to the listeners. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Okay. Um, what did you give it in atmosphere? For atmosphere, I gave it an eight. Okay, I gave it a nine. Um, for world building, what did you give it? Uh, for that, I gave it a nine. For people who don't know, Millie and I don't talk about um, our ratings for the books so whenever we're reading something together. And I was very, very clear from the moment that I recommended this book that I fucking loved it. So and Millie has been so mysterious and now to think that she might actually like it. I'm I'm dying. I'm dying on the inside. OK, plot for plot. I gave it a 10. Okay, I gave it a 9 for plot. Wait, I'm gagged. I'm gagged and gooped.
1: Oh my god. I finally tricked you appropriately. I've been trying to trick her so many times to be like, no, I hate this book. And it's actually one that I like and (laughs) vice versa. I am dying. Okay, for intrigue. Okay, for intrigue, I also gave it a 10. I gave it a 10. For logic. For logic, I gave it an 8. Okay, I gave it an 8 too. And for enjoyment. For enjoyment, I gave it a 10. I gave it a 10 as well. What was your overall rating? 9.14. So that's officially a five-star read.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, mine was a 9.0, so it is a five-star read. I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. Millie has been so secretive in the chat. And like when we were recording this, I was like, oh, my God, I feel like she's going to freaking hate this book. And to know that this is I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Okay. Eh, eh. So I'm so excited. Okay. The reason why I was being vague is like not purposefully.
1: It's because I started this book the day after I came back from traveling. So I was jet lagged. So I was reading this book so slowly. Like I was really enjoying it, but I was also like just physically not there. So I wasn't texting you about it at all. Um, and then it was like time for us to like actually film this podcast. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm only 45 percent through this book and we're going to record in less than a day and a half. So like <laughs> I I power read it yesterday. I was just like, Love let that. me get through this. But I was really enjoying
0: myself. So it didn't matter. It was Oh good. my God. L- let it be known that I'm pretty sure this is in the running for my favorite book of the year. Like it is in the running for the like it's. Mm, scrum okay well let's get to it so again this is a seven year slip by ashley poston we always like to start with our trigger warnings millie won't you take it away
1: all right so for this one we have just a couple we have
0: death of a loved one by
1: suicide um we also have pregnancy through a secondary character um so if any of these are content warnings that you would like to avoid for your own sake just be warned about it um there isn't anything on page though
0: yes all right and now for our favorite part the goodreads rating we are at a 4.39 as of filming this and now for the best part the part that we all enjoy greta reading the synopsis. <laughs> here we go reading for the class i'm i'm ready Sometimes the worst day of your life happens, and you have to figure out how to live after it. So Clementine forms a plan to keep her heart safe. Stay busy, work hard, find someone decent to love, and try to remember to chase the moon. The last one is silly and obviously metaphorical, but her aunt always told her that you needed at least one big dream to keep going. And for the last year, the plan has gone off without a hitch mostly the love part is hard because she doesn't want to get too close to anyone she isn't sure her heart can take it and then she finds a strange man standing in the kitchen of her late aunt's apartment a man with kind eyes and a southern drawl and a taste for lemon pie i'm dying ewan is like the hottest fucking book boyfriend in the face your the thirstiness
1: planet. was coming through the words
0: can you tell um okay the kind of man that before it all, she would have fallen head over heels for. And she might again, except he exists in the past, seven years ago to be exact. And she quite literally lives seven years in the future. Her aunt always said the apartment was a pinch in time, a place where moments blended together like watercolor. And Clementine knows that if she lets her heart fall, she'll be doomed. After all, love is never a matter of time, but a matter of timing and over worked book publicist with a perfectly planned future hits a snag when she falls in love with her temporary roommate only to discover he lives seven years in the past in this witty and wise new novel from new york times bestseller of the dead romantics ashley Poston. oh she did it so we can tell that you are a simp for Ewan. I am a simp for Ewan. It is illegal how this book had me in a fucking chokehold. This book made me believe in love again. Yeah. Oh,
1: oh, those are the words yeah. that I said about Emily Henry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For all of those, uh, take a
0: shot every time we mention Emily Henry. Oh my gosh! Wait, we 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 missed a very crucial update. That Emily Henry is releasing a new book. <gasps> that's right. That's right. It's
1: called Funny Story, I believe, and like the premise yes, of it yes. sounds amazing. Like
0: it's unhinged.
1: It's so unhinged. It's like she is queen at coming up with like the best synopsis. Like each one, I'm just like obsessed with. So like equally obsessed with this one. I cannot wait to read it. Like this
0: concept is gonna be fucking amazing. And you you know you best believe we are gonna be reviewing the fucking book as soon as it comes out because. This oh, is- yeah criminal. Criminal behavior. Okay, but back to this other masterpiece that deserves all the attention at the moment. Now, let's get into talking about the characters.
1: Alright, so we have a couple of main characters here. We have Clementine, who is also known as Lemon. That becomes her nickname throughout the story. She is a workaholic publicist who doesn't really believe in love. She's a bit jaded, and at the beginning of the story, she's gone through a breakup, and is also grieving the loss of her aunt. And then we have Ewan. Who is the love of Greta's life? Mm-hmm. Ewan is a young man who um, has just finished culinary school and he's looking to become a chef when, you know, he just shows up in Clementine's apartment um, back in the past through a time slip. Um, and then we have uh, Anna Lee, uh, who is the aunt, Clementine's very quirky, travel loving wonderlust aunt um who is just like rich and bougie and she's just like that aunt that everybody wants in their life that basically Honestly. just calls you up and see like let's go to rome darling pack your bag i'm already yes. outside like she's that kind of aunt
0: i love it
1: i love her aunt too Uh, We have Clementine's two best friends, Fiona and Drew. They are a married couple and they also work in the same publishing company um, that Clementine works in. Clementine is marketing. Drew is editing. Uh, and I believe Fiona
0: is also editing as well. I would like to point out that for the character descriptions, I wrote an entire section for Ewan that Millie did not read over. So I'm going to read it now because I think it's amazing. Go ahead. Iwan um, is the love of Greta's life. Like, actually, Greta is in love with a fictional character. And this is the wedding episode, not our cover-to-cover review of the seven-year slip. You're all invited. So it is only fair that we introduce you to the groom, Iwan. He is an aspiring chef with a literal heart of gold. That really is it. We all love that for him. We love that for Greta. <laughs> so
1: this is a wedding episode, apparently. Yes, Greta is getting married funny. to her fictional crush.
0: Literally obsessed with this fucking man. It is ridiculous. I need to get the fuck up. Greta, get, get off your knees. All right. So part one summary let's do this the very first thing we get introduced to is this magical apartment in new york that is owned by um, clementine's aunt um annalee it's in the upper east side it's got absolutely amazing lighting it's got a beautiful study you know brick walls high windows a clawfoot tub it's giving a little bit of like Practical magic like a little bit of witchy a little bit eclectic a lot of like overgrown plants You know, there's like a big robin's egg wing back chair. I absolutely love it Um, And then we're introduced to aunt Anneli who is described again as an adventurer who is wild and free travels from place to place without a care in the world Um, So much so that tourists ask her for directions when she travels so we get that little like small little synapse and then we fast forward into the future where Clementine is at a restaurant now she's eating at this restaurant with um, Drew and Fiona, and Drew is one of her, Drew, one of her friends, is trying to land a book deal with the chef at this restaurant. Clementine, again, super workaholic. She gets an email from an author while at di- while at dinner, and she literally just like gets up and fucking leaves, and she runs into a hot hot server on her way out, and she gets this kind of like, do I do I know him from somewhere? Do I? That was weird. Anyways, she makes it back into her office where her boss lets her know that her request to withdraw her vacation time has been rejected.
1: I love the fact that the boss is actually super supportive of her mental well-being. She's like, "Um, you take a vacation every year at the same time and like you need it.
0: Yes. And Clementine's like, no, 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 but I'm not going on vacation. Like her, she's so Clementine used to go on vacation with like her aunt all the time. Her aunt has passed. So Clementine's like, I'd rather just not go. But her aunt's like, no, you gotta go. You have to go because I'm about to retire and you're about to take over my position. Clementine is a hashtag Girl boss, that's right. All right, Drew and Fiona make it back into the office and they tell Clementine, um, oh yeah, you know, like dinner was great, blah, 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 blah. Also that like bus boy you ran into. Yeah, that was the chef that we're trying to get, like we're trying to get him to write a book like for us and be like a publishing situation. So now we get some like additional background into like the characters and a little bit more of like the world building. So every year for the last seven years, Clementine and her aunt have gone away on vacation for one week. Now that Annalie is gone, Clementine does not want to go really anywhere. Clementine um makes it back to her aunt's magical apartment which is number B4. It took me the second time to fucking like the second time oh! reading the book and I was like yeah. I just hit- oh
1: <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Literally you guys just saw the light bulb go off in my eyes just like oh it's before because you travel back to before Before. (laughs) isn't that cute how did i not realize that
0: (laughs) i'm telling you it took me two times reading this book to pick up on that anyways so clementine goes back to her apartment she's really kind of uncomfortable in this space she's removed a lot of the stuff that belonged to her aunt and is kind of making it like her own space she's put a lot of stuff away in storage and she kind of just like falls asleep on the couch um then she is woken up the next morning by a man shaking her couch. She remembers that her aunt is indeed dead and she startles awake. Now introducing the man of my dreams, Iwan. So Iwan is the son of one of her aunt's friends. And Anna Lee is letting Iwan stay in their apartment for the summer. So, during this interaction, Clementine is, like, incredibly confused. She's like, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing here? Who are you? Like, my aunt could not have let you stay here during the summer. He's like, yeah, I literally talked to her, like a couple days ago and then she's like what are you talking about he then hands clementine a card like a note from Annalie, like explaining the situation and then clementine starts like slowly put together piece by piece what is going on and she realizes that hey my apartment does not look like my apartment like everything that i had packed up is now here all of my aunt's chairs and everything is back so then she realizes that oh I have slipped back in time. This story that my aunt had told me when I was younger actually comes true. It's like real. And that is the beautiful kind of like start to this cute little romance. So when you were first
1: reading this story, up until mm-hmm. this point, how were you feeling
0: with the story? I was instantly Grasped. I instantly related to Clementine being this like super like focused on her career and just like focused on that, and also just completely jaded by romance. Um, I also really like okay. One of the things I really like about Ashley Poston is that she always, in one way or another, like involves death in her stories. And this and in the Dead Romantics, obviously, there's death. There's mention of death and death. Um, and I always appreciate how she handles that topic um so i actually didn't read the synopsis going into this book i just knew that it was an ashley poston book and i heard good things about it so i just went fucking in so i had no idea that we were going to be getting time traveling so my heart was fluttering it was so oh so, so you didn't know
1: there was like a magical element to
0: it no oh. no and then like it took me a minute to be like seven years slip seven years back duh
1: okay so When you brought up this book for me and I was like reading Mm -hmm. the synopsis real quick just to be like, okay, is this a book I would read? Mm -hmm. I was like instantly like, oh, I love the magical element of it because I've been realizing that over the last recent years with romance, I do actually kind of like it when there's a little bit of like a fantastical element to it. I didn't think that I would like those two genres mixing in that way, especially because it's a very kind of um, low fantasy, more um, like speculative fantastical which is not Mm -hmm. my thing i like Mm -hmm. hard magic systems where it's like a very clear understanding of how the magic works and Mm -hmm. this is more like frou-frou magic where you're just like you just have to accept it and believe but you know what it works with romance somehow it just does it's just like the whole happily ever after magical yes. element that just like sinks together this
0: can very well be a movie
1: yes a hundred percent i want this to be made into a movie i think it yes. would do so well
0: it gave me the lighthouse i oh, know what's it called you've got mail is that the one there's, there's oh some, yeah yeah there's some movie that's like oh time traveling in a lighthouse whatever it very much gave me that it very much gave me like 90s rom-com with like a super like straight lace clementine and then her like sabrina the teenage witch style aunts you know Mm -hmm. like that's the vibe that it was giving me and i fucking ate this shit up i loved it
1: i 100 hope that this gets uh turned into a movie it would do great fingers
0: crossed. it would do great yeah
1: so moving into part two so at this point clementine is properly freaked out and she tells this strange man that he needs to leave and kind of kicks him out. Um, so she runs out of the apartment to get a breath of fresh air because she is fully panicking about this magical apartment. So at this point in the story, um, we kind of get like a little flashback moment where she recalls the first time that her aunt told her about this magical apartment. So essentially, when her aunt was younger, she discovered um, that the apartment kind of bends through time. And so it combines the present timeline with years. Years in the past, and so her aunt discovered this when she was a young woman, and she met another young woman named Vera, and uh, Vera was seven years in the past, and so over months, um, every now and then, um, her aunt would go home, and suddenly Vera would be there, and so they started forming a friendship and a romance, and they fell in love, but they decided not to be together, and so this was kind of like a cautionary tale that her aunt was telling her, like, yes, this is a magical apartment but one of the rules is you can't fall in love with anybody you meet in the apartment because time is different and you're in different timelines and it won't end well. Um, so Clementine decides after she's calmed down to return to the apartment. And so the man is packing up and getting ready to leave. And this means that the apartment is still stuck in the past. So even though she's returned, she's still not in her present timeline. So the man, as we've all come to realize is Ewan. Our main love interest. So she decides in the spur of the moment that she wants to stay in this time for just a little bit. She starts to feel nostalgic because she realizes as Iwan is talking about her aunt that in this past timeline, her aunt is still alive. And so she kind of wants to stay in that moment a little bit longer. So she lies to Ewan and says that like, oh, her apartment is quote unquote out of commission because it's been overrun by pigeons, um, and so that's why she came to stay at the her aunt's apartment and didn't realize that her aunt had sublet it uh, for the summer. So then um, Ewan accepts this and he's just like, okay, yeah, like we can stay here. It's totally fine. Um, so he prepares her a dinner. And um, he ends up giving her the nickname Lemon. And you start to get introduced to Iwan as a character because they have a lot of wonderful conversation over the food that Iwan prepares. He prepares fajitas for her. And so Iwan is a 26-year-old guy. He's moved to the big city after he finished culinary school and he wants to become a very famous chef. And so he is applying to his idol's restaurant. Um, his grandfather was also wanting to be a chef growing up and was never able to accomplish this dream. And so he had a famous chef that he was like really, Really inspired by. And so Ewan decides that he wants to work at that same idol's restaurant and so he's like i don't care what i have to do to start off with i want to work at this restaurant even if i'm starting off from a, as a dishwasher just to learn from the best um clementine and i um iwan are just like bonding over all of this they're talking about food it's a very like romantic kind of moment and not like typical cliche romantic but they're just talking about like cheese and chocolate it's so sweet and it, it's really sweet i wouldn't say wholesome Because there's some, like, undertone of, like, some sultriness here. They're
0: flirty. They're
1: very flirty. So it's all going really good. And as, like, the mood is going good, they are kind of having, like, a moment where they almost kiss. And then Clementine's like, oh, no, I can't just kiss this random stranger, like, from the past. We can't do this. So they decide to go to sleep. And Ewan's like, yeah, nobody has to take the couch. We're both adults. We can just share the same bed and it's fine. You can, like, put a pillow down the middle. It's okay. And I'm like, um, Ewan, uh, you seem to be a man of much logic, but also uh, share the same bed trope, because I love it. They go to sleep And in the morning, Iwan decides to go to his interview at the restaurant. Clementine stays in the apartment all day and she gets inspired to draw because she's always been kind of an artist, but she stopped drawing after her aunt passes away. And so she kind of gets like re-inspired to draw, especially after the conversation she had with Iwan the night before. And uh, she actually goes to draw in the tub. Because growing up, her aunt had this rule that she could only draw in the bathtub because the watercolors were messy. And so she basically spends the entire day in her aunt's bathtub, just drawing and finding her inner artist. And it was a very wholesome kind of moment. Ewan returns and they end up sharing another meal together. He cooks for her again. Um, they do some more bonding. And uh, this time they have another moment and they do end up kissing. Um, and it starts to get steamy real quick and then clementine has to stop it again from going further um because she's like nope nope we can't do more than this so they go back to sleep together in the same bed but they just sleep so then um the next morning iwan goes back to the same restaurant to see how he did in the interview and clementine goes to work um where her friends are automatically suspicious of how happy she looks and how she has this glow about her um it's no surprise that Clementine has been depressed uh, over the last six months (laughs) since her aunt left, like severely depressed. And her friends are naturally very worried about her. And so the fact that she comes in all like, peppy and happy and cheerful as if she had the best d in her life her friends are automatically suspicious and they're like what happened this weekend we couldn't get a hold of you clementine decides to give him a half truth she says that she got inspired to draw again and she spent the whole weekend drawing and she kind of lost track of time and drew's like okay okay that's great and fiona's like "Mm, i'm still suspicious so then fiona corners her later and she's just like what really happened besides drawing. Clementine realizes she has to come clean, because if not, Fiona will keep bothering her about it. So she tells her that she met a man that's living in her apartment building, and they had dinner together, and it was a nice time. So naturally, Fiona's like, oh my god, what's his name? And she's like, his name is Iwan. And she's like, oh, what's his last name? And she's like, oh shit. And so she realizes, she's just like, I don't even know this guy's last name. And she's like, but I want to get to know him more. Right? So after work, she goes back home, her apartment she opens the door but sadly she's back in the present timeline and so it's her empty apartment that's full of boxes and she realizes in that moment that she like instantly misses Ewan, and she's like i barely spend time with this man but i'm like very drawn in by him like we shared a connection." And she's really regretful over the fact that she like never learned his last name. She didn't really know any more details about him to look for him in the present timeline. And so she basically spends the next couple of weeks internet stalking this man to try to find him and she can't. And so she's at this point realizing that it's been weeks. Every time I go back to the apartment, he's not there. Maybe this is the only time where I've, I will get to meet him and it is what it is.
0: So how were how are you feeling About the book during this section.
1: Up until this point, Mm -hmm. everything was kind of going the way that I predicted this story was going to go. And I'll explain a little bit in more detail, like, when we get to the end of the book, so that Mm -hmm. I'm not spoiling ahead. But I had a very specific image of how
0: this book was going to go. Yes, you texted me that image.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, plot structure, time-wise. Like, I knew what the plot reveals were going to be. And I had a feeling how the story was going to go. And up to this point, it was following along. Like, it was tracking. But then after this, it actually goes in a completely different direction than I had initially predicted. And I was, like, surprised constantly by different plot things that were happening in part three. Oh, that um, so Because happy. I just, I couldn't see, like, where this book was going to go. But I really liked it. And, like, we had just recently read a book uh meet me at the lake by carly mm-hmm. fortune mm-hmm. where it had a similar premise of two people who meet mm-hmm. over a mm-hmm. short period of time like mm-hmm. 24 hours mm-hmm. have this magical moment where they connect and fall so deeply in love that they can't think of anybody else for the rest of time mm-hmm. and i remember telling you that i was just like i don't i don't believe in that shit like it's not real where's the logic So all I'm going to say is that they spent 48 hours together. So I think that that was the thing, that they had two days together instead of one to fall in love with each other. They were also
0: adults, right? So these are two adults. These are two adults who... One, I, like I see Ewan as like bright-eyed, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and innocent. He's 26 years old. He is in a new city. He's trying to be a chef. He has all of his like cute little tattoos and he's staying at this like very like insane apartment and then there's like this just like beautiful girl there and he's like, wait a minute, who is she? He's like, I'm sure he's trying to like talk up some game with like this Older woman, because she's older than him right now in like the seven year slip situation. And so he's probably like, oh yeah, like I can pull this off, you know? And then we have Clementine, who's like, I literally have just gone through heartbreak in more than one way, but she is very much just like, you know, straight edge, kind of buttoned up. And then there's this like, almost like golden retriever of a man making her food and it is beautiful it is gorgeous like their interactions the way they're flirting with each other the way they're like actually getting to know each other and a little bit about like what like their passions are it is it It makes sense for them to even just start to like each other a little bit. I don't think they fell in love like they did. So, you know, in Meet Me at the Lakes, it was like, oh no, they were like in love after the single interaction. I very much felt almost like a slow burn, a quick release slow burn, if that makes sense.
1: I totally agree with that statement because I felt like we actually got to see their conversations. We got to see the different things that they connected on because- Mm -hmm them having like that first, like the first two nights, that whole weekend where they shared together Mm -hmm. was like about five or six chapters of the book. So it was like a good portion of the Mm -hmm. book where you're just seeing their conversation, you're seeing their connection, you're seeing like the different sides of how they view life currently Mm -hmm. at their like place in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can see how they have a connection. And yeah, maybe it's not love off the bat, but like it's something.
0: It's something yeah. there. There's that spark. It's so good. It's so good. And now things take a turn. So, part three E1, but this time IRL. Drew has a meeting with this hotshot chef that she's trying to sign and asks Clementine to be on her team to like help win him over. In order to prepare, she reads this article that he wrote and she realizes that some of these phrases sound a little bit familiar. The chef's name is James Ewan Ashton, aka her Ewan. Dun dun dun. I died. Also, Okay, I'm not gonna lie. It did. It took me until the second reading to realize that whenever she runs into the busboy, he says, "Oh, lemon," and she goes, "Oh yeah, like the lemon, we, the lemon cake we ordered for the table." Uh, but he's he's calling her lemon. I didn't I didn't catch that when he said it. Ashley Poston, it. A mastermind, mastermind. Once she looks him up with his full name, she realizes that he is indeed a world renowned award-winning, world-traveling chef. And now she has to meet him in the present day. So Clementine arrives to the meeting and is convinced that he will not remember her, some random girl from like seven years ago, you know? She is distracted by seeing him and now that he's a little bit older and he's practically a fucking celebrity. Despite all of this, the meeting ends up going pretty well. They kind of, like, introduce each other. And then Iwan, at the end of the meeting, reveals that he, in fact, remembers her by calling her Lemon, the nickname that he gave her seven years ago. Dude, okay,
1: that that part where he, like, whispers, he's just like, it's good to see you, Did Lemon. You wish- I, <laughs> <laughs> in that southern drawl, <laughs> I was just like, yes, of course he remember her girl i was dying <laughs> i was like it's "What are that we gonna do? southern drawl okay like i don't know what it is I... when it's on a good man a good man that can cook who has that north carolina accent <sighs> like oh we're finding
0: things out about ourselves in this episode no we really are we really are um okay so there is actually a lot of competition to get this book iwan has decided that he's going to be an actual menace and host a bid and then a secondary bid in order to see which publishing team really deserves it not to mention he's also going to do a cooking competition against all of the different publishing houses to see who actually deserves to win his book this is fucking hilarious and i was like this man is just out for fucking vengeance like it's okay so i good. will
1: say at this point when i like heard that part in the story i i lost some logic points Mm-hmm. Uh, while well, reading for the book, because I'm just like, this is so unrealistic, and you can tell that it's just for the story. Yes. Um, yes. and so I kind of like lost it a little bit there. I'm just like, really? Really, E1? And then also like, without going ahead to spoiling it, um, the actual like competition part of it was actually one of like my least favorite parts yeah.
0: of the book. It didn't need to be in the book. No, it didn't at all. So Drew breaks the news to Clementine that Iwan has decided to like reject their bid and go with somebody else. Clementine instantly feels guilty and she thinks that it's like because of her that he rejected. So she shows up to his restaurant and calls him out. This is the first of two instances where Clementine calls Ewan. Ewan's ass out. So Clementine shows up to the restaurant. Ewan says that it was a mistake and that they are back in the running. So I guess Ewan like wasn't sure that Clementine actually like wanted um, him to like participate in the, like to, for their um publishing house to actually be part of it. He thought there might have been some like, you know, hesitancy, hesitancy on her end. Turns out there isn't. So they're back in the running. So Clementine and Drew attend the cooking competition. All right. And leave actually having had fun um and made and they ended up making a pretty solid impression um drew takes an uber home but clementine's gets canceled before she gets to order another one iwan appears next to her and takes her out to dinner (laughs) so now we're having them interacting in real life in the present timeline out about in the streets of new york
1: okay before we continue on because we just basically came to the competition part and um i barely put anything in the notes section for this because like nothing happened Um, It was an entire chapter (laughs) where it's just describing all of these different publishing teams that are cooking. But it's not even a competition. Like, I legitly thought it was supposed to be, like, them competing to see who has the best dish. But it was literally, like, it was a cooking lesson. Yeah, And he just wanted to see their personalities and see, like, which team vibes well Mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah, It, It just didn't really make much sense. And I'm just like, that part shouldn't have even been... In yeah, the book, so. I didn't
0: I did not think that part was anything significant either. But okay. So, Ewan takes Clementine to Yo Mama's Fajitas, a food truck that is run by two of his culinary classmates, Miguel and Isa. Now, they went to school together and they're all sharing incredibly embarrassing stories of Ewan from when he was in culinary school. So, Ewan had actually mentioned um a girl to um to like his friends and he called her Lemon. And then his friends are joking around that he was like in love with this girl. Ha 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 ha. In present time, he introduced Clementine as Clementine. So now Clementine realizes she's putting two and two together. She's like, oh, Iwan told his friends that he was in love with Lemon, aka me. Dun dun dun. Fucking died. So this is when Clementine realizes that Iwan actually does remember her fondly and does remember their weekend together. In a private conversation, he also reveals that he actually knows about the apartment because in the past she told him about it. Dun dun dun. The plot thickens. They have another kiss and he walks her to her train, but they both remember that in the present timeline, they cannot be romantic with each other. Because obviously, you know, she's trying, um, her publishing company is trying to like get him to like, you know, publish a book with them. So it's a conflict of interest.
1: Okay, so at this point, I was just like so confused with the story because it was going in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to.
0: Interesting. Okay. So
1: here's how I pictured the timeline going. Like I okay. thought that the like 90% mm-hmm. of the book mm-hmm. was going to be showing Clementine in the past timeline with past E1. So, like, I thought that the book was going to be, like, dedicated to, like, her living her life, but then coming back to the apartment and he's there because it was said that he was going to be there for three months. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was going to be that summer because she had to make the decision of, like whether or not she was going to get promoted Mm -hmm. at the end of the summer. Mm -hmm. So I thought the whole book was going to be dedicated to her like living her life in the present when she leaves the apartment. But then she keeps going to the past and she's sharing this apartment with Iwan and they become like friends and then slowly start to have like a romance. And so I thought that the bulk of the story was going to be in the past timeline. So when she met him in the present timeline and it was like the 45% mark, I was like, wait a second. So like is it now going to be, like, back and forth? And so I was just, like, I was thrown off. Like, I still enjoyed it. I was just thrown off because I was like, oh, this is going in a different direction than I thought it was going to be. So,
0: kudos. What interactions did you like more? Did you like past Ewan more or present Ewan more? Because I've been meaning to ask this question. I liked past Ewan more. <laughs> Me too!
1: <laughs> I liked him more. Because, like, okay, present Ewan, like, I, I get his development, but, like, past Ewan is just... It hits that special nostalgic place in your heart.
0: Yes. It's literally golden retriever energy. Past Iwan is golden retriever energy with a literal heart of gold and so naive about the entirety of the world. And I love him. I love him. Yeah, because one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that present day Iwan
1: is really different from Mm -hmm. past Mm Iwan. Because at this point, like, he's a renowned chef. Mm-hmm. He has, like, been working his ass off to get to the place where he's at now. He's about to open a restaurant. He's in this really competitive book deal. Mm-hmm. He's basically a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, And he is now striving for perfection. He is striving to get that next Michel- Michelin star. And... The Ewan from the past was just like at the very beginning of his journey, full of hope and ambition um, and just wants to make food that people will enjoy versus Ewan in the present timeline wants to make sure his food is perfect at all times. And so he does come off a little bit more strict, a little bit more rigid. And it it throws Clementine off in the beginning um, because they're so different. Yes. And it's like it's only been seven years, but their personalities have already started to shift a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And we see we get to see a little bit more of that kind of conflict that Clementine has um, with this change in Ewan in this um, next section coming up. Um, this is almost like the third part conflict, but also it's very close to the end of the book, so.
1: All right, so moving on to the next part. At this point, Clementine is really disappointed because she can't be with Iwan in the present timeline since he's going to be a potential client. So she returns home, but is surprised because when she opens the door, she is back in the past. So at this point, this is her first time seeing past Iwan since that weekend that they shared together and they both really missed each other because he was surprised that she was not in the apartment when he came back and that she basically disappeared out of nowhere and he couldn't contact her and so you know they're just really excited to see each other again and she is so caught up in the moment she doesn't want to waste a single time with this man so they proceed to make out and she's like fuck what i said last time it's steamy, sexy time. And so we proceed for some wonderful smut, present Clementine and past Ewan, get it on. I personally really liked the smut scene. I thought it was very well written. I was like, Very okay.
0: tasteful.
1: Very tasteful. With disease so myself. Oh, yeah. that They were doing a lot of tasting. <sighs> I mean, yes, chef. It was good. It was good.
0: That's staying in. I'm not editing that out.
1: Proceed. So the next morning, Ewan thanks to the dopamine hit from all the sex, he wants to go explore the city with Clementine. Like, he wants to spend time with her. He's just like, you're back. I want to be with you. Like, da da da. Let's, like, spend time together. So he's, like, running out the door, dragging Clementine out, being like, let's go explore the city. And Clementine's like, uh, I don't think this is a good idea. As soon as he crosses over the threshold, he disappears. He can't leave the apartment. Like, the timeline doesn't allow them to, like, you know, go past the present and the past timeline. So on her end, Ewan just disappears as soon as he crosses the door. And on Ewan's end, he was holding her hand and all of a sudden she disappears. So Clementine starts to freak out. So she goes and tries to open the door again and no luck. She is stuck in the present timeline. Um, So at this point, Clementine is starting to have some doubts about her career choice. It's the end of summer and her boss is like getting all ready to retire and they're doing like interviews for her and stuff like that. And Clementine is really starting to kind of like let the reality sink in of like getting this promotion and what that kind of means. She's already a workaholic and she realizes that she has to be even more of a workaholic to make this promotion work and whether or not she actually wants to do that. So at this point um, in the mail, Clementine receives this letter that's addressed to her aunt. And for everything, she's just been returning to sender, but she sees the name on the letter and it turns out it's from Vera. So Vera is the woman that her aunt met uh, when she first discovered that the apartment was magical and she had this wonderful romantic relationship with her, but they could never be together. And so it turns out that Vera and her aunt have been um, writing these handwritten letters to each other for decades now, um, just keeping in touch with each other. And so she realizes that because Vera sent her aunt this letter, that Vera doesn't know that her aunt has passed away. And so Clementine realizes that it's her kind of duty to meet Vera, return her letter, and let her know that her aunt has passed. She does go to meet her at her apartment, um, and she gets to know a little bit about Vera, um, Vera when she moved back to her hometown in North Carolina had two kids that she raised with her father. It was a girl and a boy. Clementine sees a bunch of pictures on the wall of Vera's family and the little boy looks very familiar and then Vera shows her a more recent picture of her son and lo and behold Because no two characters can both have southern drawls without being related to each other in romance stories. Ewan is Vera's son. Dun, dun, dun. I literally was losing it. I was losing my mind. (laughs) So did you predict this already at this point? No,
0: no. no.
1: Oh, like that was like the actual plot twist reveal for you.
0: Millie, we know this. We know that I go into a book, smooth brain, no thoughts. All right. I let everything just hit me. And I, I predicted it after like chapter nothing. two. I know you texted me. Oh my God. Actually, let's pull it up. <clears throat> I get a text message from Millie and she goes, okay, I started the seven year slip in the middle of the night because jet lag. And I'm on chapter seven, sending you initial predictions. One, Ewan as the chef. Her publisher friend is trying to land a deal with. She didn't recognize him because at this point he was a stranger to her. Also, something happens to him when he was 26 and that something is a magical fucking apartment. Two, Iwan is Vera's child. It's mentioned that Vera moved to New York and had two kids. And Iwan mentions his mom and his sister. So I think this is the link. And I just sent like a nodding emoji. (laughs) I was like, okay, okay so yeah you predicted it a fucking mile away I literally had no fucking clue I, Zero. like I said I go into reading romance specifically smooth brain no thoughts literally no soul guy
1: I think it's because I'm used to like political fantasy where like everything is a conspiracy Yeah. and like everybody's somehow related to one another mm-hmm. or like you just find the missing links and so I'm constantly playing detective with stories mm-hmm. like that um, so as soon as like that point was revealed I was like Okay, Iwan's Vera's child. In the story, Clementine realizes um, that Iwan is Vera's son. And she's just like, oh, why didn't I ever make this connection before? I never knew. Iwan just said that um, it was like an aunt's friend, you know, that had lent the apartment and whatever not. So she's kind of kicking herself in the butt because she never realized it. And so also clementine is also breaking the news to vera and it was a very emotional moment where she's also breaking down crying and vera is crying and they're just holding each other and vera is like a total bamf through all of this she's like comforting clementine and just reminding her that like you know just to remember her aunt in such a good way because she still does and it, it was it was a really beautiful moment i really liked it it really was At this point, Iwan is having the grand opening for his new restaurant and it's sort of like a soft launch where he's just inviting a few selective people and so he decides to invite all of the publishers as well as his family and close friends to the launch. And so Clementine goes with Fiona and Drew to the restaurant uh, to be part of the grand opening. And Clementine is kind of feeling a little miffed about everything because she's had past Ewan's cooking before when he cooked for her in the apartment for that magical weekend. So she knows how Ewan cooks and kind of like his philosophy towards cooking. And all of the dishes that are being presented are amazing. They taste wonderful and they're perfect. But she's like, none of this feels like Ewan. Like, Has he changed so much that even his food is unrecognizable? And so she meets Ewan's um, sister and her sister's husband. She sees the mother again and she talks to Ewan and Ewan's all excited about his grand opening and he asks her, you know, how did it go? And like, how do you feel about it? And Clementine can't lie. Clementine can't be like, Oh, this is a great launch. Good job. She's just like, this doesn't feel like you. And she kind of calls him out for like changing. And he retorts back being like, people change. I'm not the same person that you met seven years ago. What's wrong with me changing and adapting? So they start getting into this fight. All of a sudden, there's this screaming, uh, in the main dining room because Fiona, who's nine months pregnant at this point, her water breaks and she starts to go into labor. So they rush her to the hospital where fiona gives birth to her baby and while she's in the hospital waiting for fiona and drew to come out with the news she's talking to another one of her friends who's also another co-worker and in this conversation that she has with her friend juliet she realizes that as she's trying to tell juliet hey you're settling for less you deserve more you deserve to be happy that uh clementine should probably take that advice to herself yeah. as well. And so she has her whole epiphany moment and she's just like, I need to put in my two-week notice. Fuck that promotion. And so we tune in to like the next day or the next week where um Clementine goes to her boss and she's basically like, I really appreciate that you've been my mentor for the last seven years. And I know that this comes as a shock to everyone, including myself, but I am just not happy and I need to leave. And I don't know what I'm going to do or where I'm going to go, but it's not here. Her boss... Took it actually very, very well because she's just like, yeah, no, I get you. I understand. Do what makes you happy. If it's not here, it's not here. I wish you well. And her boss was just so nice to her about everything. And then she ends up meeting her parents because her birthday's coming up and her parents have a tradition of coming to the city and eating with her at the same restaurant every year and they order the same thing and like honestly the type A Virgo in me <laughs> loves this tradition like this ritual I
0: love it it's so relatable yeah
1: <laughs> and so she has to break the news to her parents as well that she's put in her two week notice and the parents also take it surprisingly well I will have to say as much as I like the ritual aspect of this birthday lunch this was also a chapter that could have been taken out
0: yeah i agree it just it gave us a little bit more insight into her parents dynamic versus um her aunt's dynamic but it could have also just been like removed and it would have been fine honestly
1: the one thing that we did get is that her father reminds her that, um, you know, way back when, like seven years ago, you um, had this cab ride with a stranger who basically convinced you to go into publishing. And that's what caused you to change your mind. And she realizes as like she's getting the memory out from the cobwebs of her mind that she's like, oh, yeah, I was on this cab ride with this stranger and I was telling him about my dream and he was like telling me to go for it. And it turns out it turns out that it was past Ewan when he was 26 and he was finally leaving the apartment to move out and he catches a cab and it's past Clementine who's 22 and they meet and he ends up giving her the advice of like knowing that she's in publishing to go for it and she listens to him. So um, at this point Clementine goes home after lunch with her parents and she goes into the apartment and lo and behold she's back in the past to past Ewan. So they like launch into each other's arms and They're so happy to be reunited because the last time he saw her, let's remember, she was a ghost. Uh, So, homie was like, very, very shook up. What the fuck happened? (laughs) He's just like, Are you a ghost? And she's like, Yes, but no. No. (laughs) So then Clementine basically tells him the story, the same story that her aunt told her. And. Basically being like, I don't know if you're going to believe me or not, but this is a magical apartment and I'm from the future. And Ewan's just like, well, you disappeared right before my eyes, so I guess I do believe you. And Clementine's trying to explain to Ewan, like, don't worry, like, we're going to meet again. In your future, we're going to meet again. And he's like, so we can't be together now? And she's like, no. And she's realizing at this point, through all of her revelations that she's had over the last couple of weeks, that people change. And... The person she is now and the person that Ewan are in the past wouldn't be good for each other because he has to go through all of his journey before they could be together in the present timeline. And so it's a really like cute and sweet and heartbreaking, bitter moment where they're saying goodbye to each other for the final time. She's saying goodbye to the past Ewan. And so then he leaves the apartment to go move in across town and that's when he catches the cab with past clementine and before clementine leaves the apartment the door opens again and it's her aunt from seven years ago who walks back into the apartment i cried i
0: sobbed
1: i was crying during this part like i cried two different times i cried the first time when it was um explained how her aunt had passed away yes because we didn't really we didn't really mention it but her aunt did commit suicide and that's how she passed and it was something that she had kept secret from the family no one knew about it no Mm -hmm. one knew that she suffered from depression like that and it really really hit clementine because she didn't see it coming yeah and she took her aunt's passing very very hard which Mm -hmm. is why she was so depressed Mm -hmm. um so just like her revealing about all of that and then her having that conversation with vera Mm -hmm. about like the Mm -hmm. grief and then for her aunt to walk in. And I actually love the fact that we didn't even get to see that scene. Me It,
0: it just ends with the aunt walking in it was literal fucking perfection the way that ashley poston set up this like meeting again because throughout the book you were kind of like okay well i mean like the aunt's gonna come back at one point or another right it has to come back to her apartment will they won't they meet this this was like the meeting that i was waiting anticipating for and then whenever it happened and we just cut to black. I was like that is a beautiful way of kind of kind of like representing like if I was to have a conversation with someone who has passed, like a loved one who has passed, what like what would that be like? There's no way to fucking explain it, you know? And I feel like cutting to black was just like the the most like perfect way of she gave her
1: characters a private moment. Yes. That even us as the readers were not privy to. Yes. It was so good. I I also was thinking that she was going to meet her because I didn't think this theory until like much later in the book, Mm -hmm. honestly. When it was revealed that Ewan, past Ewan, had met past Clementine in the cab, Mm -hmm. I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, wait, past Clementine dropped off her aunt at the apartment and then went downstairs to take the cab. Mm -hmm. So when present Clementine was in the apartment I was like oh my god her aunt is gonna show up because yeah. that's how the timeline works yeah and so I was anticipating that and I was thinking either we were gonna have a conversation hmm Where, like, her aunt was going to walk in Mm -hmm. and, like, instantly know that the apartment had transported. Mm -hmm. And then it was just Clementine and her aunt having, like, a normal conversation. And her aunt knows something's up but doesn't want to know what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, a good moment for Clementine Mm -hmm. to get closure. Or it was going to go where Clementine's like, no, I can't see her because it's it's not good for my mental health to see her again. Right. And that I can't do that to my grief mm-hmm. and kind of like sneaks away, but just like sees her aunt from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, but for it to have this like fate to black, it was even better.
0: It was honestly just beautiful. It was beautiful. And honestly, you put it the best way possible. Ashley Poston gave these characters a private moment and it's fucking beautiful. It is beautiful Mm -hmm.
1: so we're almost done we have just a couple more chapters before this book ends um so at this point it is clementine's birthday and she's had this tradition for years and years and years where she always goes to the met um to look at some van gogh paintings And just like spend time looking at the same paintings because they're just a very special memory for her. And she just like enjoys being in this art museum. And so she goes with her friends and her friends decide to go exploring the museum. She's already seen it a bajillion times. So she sits and she watches her favorite painting and watches people go by. And then who shows up? But Iwan because in their magical weekend together she had explained that that's what she does for every birthday so Iwan remembers this and he knows that she's going to be there and so he shows up and it turns out that Um, They gave the publishing deal to her old publishing company. But the fact that she doesn't work there anymore means that there's no conflict of interest. So Ewan's just like, hey, you know what? Um, I want to be with you and uh, let's be together. And then basically
0: happily ever after. Bam. Amazing. Beautiful. Round of applause. It was amazing. I loved this book so freaking much the way that Ashley Poston handles death, it's done so well. It is incredible. In The Dead Romantics, she also handles death beautifully. Um, That is the passing of the main character's father. And I was also Sobbing as someone who has a solid relationship with her father, you would also be sobbing in that book, probably. <laughs> we did not even mention this, but whenever she's talking to Vera, um, it's kind of revealed that Clementine was with her aunt like the night or like the day that it happened, and she was like, Yeah, you know, I'll just see you, um, I'll see you later. We'll like, we'll figure out our like itinerary later for like a trip they were gonna take, and then uh, Clementine very much like beats herself up about it, um, like the. What could I have done? Should I have realized? Like, could I have seen the signs? And it's just very well done. And you can tell that it's written... Like this book is written by someone who has experienced this and I don't know if you got to it, but at the end of the book, there's an author's note Mm -hmm. and the author's note just did it for me. It added a whole
1: another layer Layer. to the story that was already super complex. Yes. It It was beautiful. It
0: was beautiful. So in the author's note, Ashley Poston reveals that her grandfather took his own life through um obviously means of suicide, um, and that she wouldn't really know, like, what that conversation would be like. So just the way that she was able to write this book, um, having experienced that, is literally a Herculean feat. There is no way in hell I could do that. And it just kind of goes to show, like, this is written from some, like, a place of concrete perspective, um, and which makes sense as to why it is handled so fucking elegantly and so beautifully honestly like I've read
1: from Ashley Poston before Mm -hmm. but I read her YA fantasy debut Mm -hmm. which I did enjoy I think I gave it like a Mm 3.5 it was like a good fantasy debut it wasn't anything super special Mm -hmm. so then when you were recommending this book it's like okay well I've read from the author before so I know that I don't dislike them so I'll give it a shot but like I am so surprised because it really feels like she found her voice with romance. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the genre she should stick to. Mm -hmm. This is the genre she should write in because her writing just, like, flows so much more effectively with romance. And honestly, and I say this, like, her writing is really similar to Emily Henry. Yeah. In the best way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, her writing style and, like, the nuance and the level of emotion is so good. Yes. I really want to try to read more from this author in the future because I feel like I am going to like her romance books. Yes.
0: You should pick up The Dead Romantics and I want to hear whenever you sob because I was literally sobbing when I was reading that book. It is so fucking good. I actually reread it. After reading this book, I reread it and then I reread The Seven Year's Slip. (laughs) So
1: you've just been nonstop reading Ashley Poston books for the last month. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'm not even kidding. I, I read the seven year slip and then I read, uh, no, yellow face, the seven, no, seven year slip, yellow face, uh, dead romantics, seven year slip. And then I read, um, um, uh, um, Ali, Ali Hazelwood's book. The most recent one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I needed to go back and like revisit these stories and I knew how much I fucking loved the romance between Clementine and Ewan that I needed it to feel again. I needed it to, I needed, I needed to feel it again and I didn't want to go like back to back. You know, that's a lot. That is a lot to just like read, like literally close the book and start in on page one again. That's too much. So I had to give like some wiggle room in between, but oh man, it was just so, it's fucking delicious. This book is delicious. It
1: is. The entire time while I was reading it, I felt like it was going to be a point five because i was like objectively this is such a strong romance book and i really am enjoying it Mm -hmm. but i wasn't getting the emotional like impact between the romance aspect of it like i really liked it i really thought they vibed with each other Mm -hmm. like i believed the romance Mm -hmm. but i just didn't have like that emotional like that little spark mm-hmm. that makes it a five star. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, it was the emotional aspect of the grief and how it was handled in this book yep. that made it a five star for me. Yep. Because for me, it's like if the book doesn't make me emotional, mm-hmm. like have some kind of emotional reaction to it, then it's it's not a five star. Mm-hmm. Whether that be out of like excitement um, of just like I'm obsessed, or like have an emotional reaction like in a sad kind of way. Yep. Like, it needs to happen. And so when it finally did happen near the end of the book, I'm like, yeah, it's a five-star. It's, it's a five-star.
0: Um, I did want to mm-hmm. talk to you about Clementine's um, argument. Whenever um, they are at the restaurant soft launch and Clementine goes up to Iwan and is like, this isn't what you wanted. This is what your grandpa wanted. Like, for you to have this, like, fancy restaurant and for you to make this name. How did you feel about that? Were you like, yeah, you know, Clementine is right. She has every single right, like she's in the right to be like angry and upset with him or what the hell is she fucking doing
1: so i was kind of mixed about it like in the beginning i was kind of down for it because the author had really been setting it up where she kept noticing all these different things about how he was kind of different. Mm-hmm. And for lack of a better word, that he was kind of selling out a bit. Yeah. And she kept noticing these things mm-hmm. over and over and over mm-hmm. again. So when she finally like called him out on mm-hmm. it and like brought it up, as the reader, I was like kind of happy about it because i wanted that to be handled i wanted them to have that conversation but then thinking back from it like being a little detached from it it's like oh yeah no that's also kind of fucked up like why would you go during his grand opening of his restaurant and pick that moment to tell him that he is selling out uh that he's not doing actually what his grandpa wanted him to do that he's not who he actually is deep down inside but also at the same place it's like how can you say that you've met him at this point twice Okay. For all lack of a better word, he's kind of a stranger to you. Like, I understand that you guys have a connection and that you guys are falling for each other and want to be in this romantic relationship with each other, but you are still getting to know each other. So like, what right do you have to say that he's not who he's supposed to be when you only met him for a couple of days?
0: Yes, I'm very happy that you had that exact same take because I vividly remember when this argument was going down, I was driving in my fucking car on my way to work and I was like what the fuck is Clementine doing she has some audacity to go up to this man she knows like seven years ago Ewan right again golden retriever bright-eyed bushy-tailed ready to take on the world she doesn't know this man that has gone through the trenches of what the culinary world is to like come out on top and be this very successful person who who gave like the audacity to like go up and just like start criticizing him and then ripping him apart and being like, you are not the Iwan that you were. And it's like, no, duh. There's a part where she's like stalking him and she finds his like Instagram and she finds that he's traveled, you know, all over the world. And there's like mention of like the girls he was with or whatever. But I don't know. I took that as like a part to be like there is character development that went on behind the scenes that we did that we did not necessarily get to see. You know, there's relationships that happen. There's people that broke up. There's people that got together. So there's a lot of like change that's happened, um, whether for better or worse. Why does Clementine feel so entitled to like... Like, go up to Ewan and be like, these chairs are awful. Your deconstructed lemon pie is disgusting. What happened to the one you made me in my kitchen? It really upset me. Maybe because I was like, why are you attacking my man? But also, like, <laughs> like, like it makes no sense. Like, it's, it's seven years is a very long time. It's a significant chunk of time. And then to expect for there to not be change is kind of irrational. And I think that is Clementine's... Um, A little bit of like her personality, her very type A personality, where she's like, everything has its place, everything is in a box, everything is organized, trips have itineraries. Her aunt was the one that was like, let's go on an adventure, let's just like explore and wander around, find ourselves in strange places. But Clementine was always described as being like, just painting on a bench like her aunt would drag her places and she would always just paint so i found that very interesting it was a little bit of like clementine wanting so desperately to hang on to that past iwan um that she very much knew and fighting against all of the change that he had experienced without her being present
1: And to be honest, that was one of the elements of the story that I was a little bit disappointed by Mm -hmm. because we didn't really get to see an actual like resolution to that Mm -hmm. because it basically goes from they have an argument at the restaurant Mm -hmm. during his grand opening to the next time they see each other, he shows up to the Met being like, oh, I heard you quit your job. Now we can be together. It's like, but you guys just had a fight like the last time you guys saw each other You guys had a fight. Yeah. And I needed to, I needed, like, one or two more scenes Mm -hmm. between them Mm -hmm. where, like, they sat down and, like, they both kind of called each other out on certain things, but then also came to that resolution and and had that realization about, like, they're different people. And that's okay. Because Clementine had that realization by herself. But I needed to see that happen with Iwan in order for me to see that like, yeah, they're good. They understand each other. They're on the same page. And just also resolution from their fight. Okay. I hate when in books that happens, like characters have a fight and then we don't actually see them make up. Mm -hmm.
0: We did forget to mention there's one little part of this fucking story that threw it over the fucking edge for me. After they have sexy time, the next morning, her and her friends are out and they go to that fucking taco truck. Or, like, that that fajitas truck.
1: <gasps> oh, that's right. I completely forgot about yes. that part.
0: So, okay, after Clementine and past Ewan hook up the next morning, um, both of her friends, they all go to that fajita truck, and Clementine runs into Ewan. This is after they've had the argument, right?
1: No. So, basically, what happens is that they were at the fajita truck the night before. They weren't completely drunk, but they had been drinking. Yes. And they were about to kiss, but then he's like, no, we can't kiss because right. conflict of you're interest. You're right, you're right, you're right. So, you're she right. gets all upset. Yes. She goes to her apartment. Yes. She has sex with yes. past Ewan, yes. she shows up the next day yes. goes to the same fajita yes. truck with her friends she sees Ewan there and he gets fucking jealous of himself he sees the hickey on her neck and he's jealous of his past self because he's like oh i remember what happened last night it was great i love that part
0: <laughs> i loved i loved it that 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 part of, put me over the edge i was dying i was screaming and crying and It was so good. I love that. Yeah, but I think you're absolutely right. Some conflict resolution in regards to that would have been good. Because we do see, from the moment of conflict, we do see Ewan again, but it's past Ewan, right? So I feel like that kind of, like, alleviates a little bit of, like, the tension between the characters. But it's not the same current, like, like time and place Ewan.
1: Yeah, because she apologizes to past Ewan. But
0: she doesn't apologize (laughs)
1: to... Present-day
0: Ewan. Yeah. And although present-day Ewan, like, it kind of gets brought up on um, whenever they meet again in the Met. It's very much just, like, who am I to, like, not, who am I to criticize this man for changing in the last seven years? Like, time has gone by. But she has this conversation with herself. And no one does it really address to, like, present Ewan. So, yeah. So there's only, like, a
1: couple of things that I would change about the Mm -hmm. book. But for the most part, it was extremely well written. Yes. The emotion was there. The romance was yes. there. There was only one smutty scene,
0: and I kind of wanted more. Yes, I kind of wanted more. Yes, <laughs> but the tension, the tension that Ashley Poston builds throughout this book is insane. Like, will they? Won't they? Will they? Won't they? Will they? will they? And also, what time? What time? What timeline? Will they? Won't they? And like, it's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's present day Clementine throughout the entire thing. So it's just. <laughs> It's fucking great. It's great. So for the next episode, we are switching gears a little bit. We're switching gears entirely. Yep. So
1: um, let's reveal what book we previously had in mind. And we've actually made a little bit of a switch. Yes. Um, So the book we originally had scheduled for the next time was Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. And um, we decided after we both started the book that we figured that this would not be the best book for us to review no. on the podcast.
0: One, it is super
1: long. It's ridiculously yes. long. It's 500 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, And so we would just not have enough time nor the energy to really be able to read this book uh, and give you the review that we think you deserve. So... Uh, On that note, we decided to just, like, shift gears... We're still going to have a fantasy, but we're going for a much shorter fantasy. So, Greta, take it away. What book are we reading next time?
0: For our next literal literary journey, we are going to be reading Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Woo! I am so excited for this
1: book. It was really, really hyped up at the end of last year. It's basically a um, fantasy novella really really short book but it's the very beginning of like the soft cozy fantasy era and this book is like the epitome of what you think of with cozy fantasy it's just all vibes no plot we're just
0: here for a good time i'm so excited to read this one i am going to be listening to it on audiobook me too you are too okay perfect so much fun (laughs) all right well Millie, where can people find us?
1: Well, they can find us um, at our Instagram, um, The Books We Meet in the Library. You can also find us on the TikTok, uh, The Books We Meet in the Lib. Um, y'all can find
0: us in our YouTube
1: channel as well. The books we meet in the library. Uh, Greta, where can they
0: find you? Um, you can find me at Greta's Favorite Things on practically all of social media, wherever it that is, I am. <laughs> where can people find you, Millie?
1: Um, you guys can find me on my YouTube channel, Into the Nook. Um, you guys can also find me on the Instagram, Into the Nook Realm, um, and I don't have a Twitter or a TikTok or a Threads yet. It's okay. We'll see. We'll get through eventually. We'll
0: We'll get through eventually. If you enjoyed listening to my very special wedding episode, (laughs) please feel free to leave us a little rating. Um, On Spotify, we also have a suggestion box. So if if there's any books that you would like for us to read, please drop them in that box. We are more than happy to review and literally read whatever. Um, You will hear from us in two weeks with our cover, cover review of Legends and Lattes. All right, guys. Have a good time. Bye. Bye.